Amen. Sure appreciate the good words that we've heard. I fully expected that I would preach for you last week. I really, in my mind, prior to the surgery, I was thinking, ah, you know, I can handle this. And then I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> now, if Brother Luke had gotten sick and there was nobody here, I probably could have said a few words. But I thank God for the blessing of being back here before you today. I missed it. You might not have missed it, but I missed it. And certainly want to share what the Lord has laid on my mind this morning. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Genesis 24, I hope that these few thoughts that we share here will carry along with the thought that Brother Luke has put before us about where we find direction in times like these, where we can find light and hope. It's in the Word of God. I stand before you. I speak as a fool, as Paul said. I've been to the higher institutions of learning, you know, a bachelor's degree and then three years of Y'all didn't know that I was a doctor, did you? You know, my little degree says Juris Doctor. I mean, you really ought to call me Dr. Tim. (laughs) I tried that with Sister Tracy. She was like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. But look, I speak as a fool, as Paul said. I've been to the higher institutions of learning. I've got books upon books upon books in my office of laws and such and other things related to the laws, commentaries. And I'm telling you, Whether you've got that or not is irrelevant, or what degree you have is irrelevant. You could have a third grade education and be able to read and have the Word of God, and that's all you need to get through this life. That really simplifies it, doesn't it? Now, I'm all for education. Get as much as you can and be the best that you can be if it's the direction of education or vocation, whatever it may be. But understand that all we need for the sufficiency of of living this life is in the Word of God. So as we look at Genesis 24, I ask you the question, is Jesus in your way? Is Jesus in your way? Let's begin reading in verse 27 as we jump right into the middle of this. It would take too long to read through the whole thing, but this is the account of Abraham's servant. Who You you talk about a long shot now. (laughs) Some of you may say, well, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to find a spouse one day. You've never seen a long shot like this where Abraham looked at his servant and he said, okay, I want you to go back over there to the town that we lived in 25 years ago or 20, 30 years ago. I want you to find a wife for my son. (laughs) You talk about a long shot, but when Jesus is in the way, is in our way, and we're going in the direction that Jesus would have us to go, long shots aren't that surprising or amazing whenever we go in the direction that the Lord would have us to go. So we have the the servant of Abraham. In his mind, I'm sure he's thinking, this is a long shot. Is there anybody even left over there? Because he's not sending him over there just to pick anybody. He's sending him over there to pick a wife for Isaac from among his relatives, which I know that's some of you think, ooh, kiss some cousins, I know, but this is, this is different back in these days. This was before the Mosaic Law. This was before the gene pool was so uh, scattered and so um, you, know, you had gene deformities and different things like that. This was a time when this was accepted. It changes. You can read it in the days of Moses. It changes in the days of Moses. But he's sending him back over there to find a wife that's the wife that he wants Isaac to have And the servant is going and thinking, is this going to work out? So we pick up where the servant has come and found Rebecca. She is the one that is the woman. You know, he he prays and he says, let the one that would be the wife 
that my master would have his son to marry? Let her be the one that comes out here and offers me in a hospitable, kind way. Offers water to me and to my camels. And he had about 12 camels, by the way. That was a lot of water to put out. Because camels will guzzle some water, let me tell you. You can look it up. I looked it up. I Googled it. You can Google anything. (laughs) And so she was hospitable towards him. And when he realizes who she is, he says, who are you? And she says who she is. And he's like, oh my goodness, this is the very, out of these thousands of people that I came over here on this long shot, I have found someone from the house of my master's brethren. So let's read in Genesis 24 and verse 27. And he said, the servant said, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth, I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Notice the acknowledgement that he makes right there. I being in the way. Now, we've all been in situations where somebody would get in your way, right? Maybe you're out on the road and you're experiencing some road rage or something like that. I hope you don't experience that. But somebody whip over in front of you and all of a sudden, you know, somebody got in your way. That's not what he's talking about here. He is saying, I am walking in the right way. That's what he's saying. I am following in the vein of the Spirit of God that will lead me down paths of righteousness and bring answers to my life. And yes, even in dark and troubled times, you can still see light through the lens of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. I want you to think about how beneficial that would be for every one of God's children to look to the Word of God for light and direction rather than, as Brother Luke put it, to the news anchor or to the internet or to the politicians or to this or that. We need to look to the Word of God as God's people. That's what this man is doing. He is walking on the Word of his master. That's Abraham. Abraham said, go, and he even made him swear to it. He even made him swear to this this task that he was on. But he also said, if you can't find her, then you'll be free from this task. And I want you to notice this, this was a great servant. Because some servants, some employees, you know, would be like, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll give it a little shot. And he told me I was free anyway. So I'll just kind of give it a half-hearted shot, a half-hearted run at this. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, well, I'm free from it. That's not how this servant approached it. And I pray to God, as you serve the master, as you serve our master, the Lord Jesus Christ, that you don't look at it half-heartedly like that. Oh, well, you know, if, you know, I, I'll go to church a few Sundays and I'll, I'll pick up my Bible, you know, once every couple of years and, you know, then, you know, but if it doesn't work out, well, you know, I've, I've always got, you know, this other thing going on for me. <laughs> That's not the kind of attitude that we have to have as disciples of Christ. This man was bound to a a, a promise and he was bound and determined to see that it was fulfilled. And he's relying upon the Lord. And the Lord answers that prayer. You know, I've told you before, I've repented of saying, I can't believe that. (laughs) I've stopped saying that because that's a statement of (laughs) non-faith. I can't believe that what I've been praying for for all these years actually finally happened. (laughs) It's like I'm saying, Lord, I never trusted that you'd ever do it in the first place. That's a bad way to look at it. But I have increased my number of times of saying, that's amazing. (laughs) Lord, you just proved once again that you are who you are and your word is what it is and you're faithful to your word and you bless your word and I'm just going to keep on doing what your word says. That's amazing. (laughs) Don't say, I can't believe it. Say, that's amazing. 
So here the servant says, I being in the way. The word way right there is the Hebrew word derek. And it's where we get our word today in English for direction, direction. The way was the road or the path or to tread or to walk upon a road or a path. And I want you to notice that this man, in contrast to the fellow that we're fixing to look at, he is in the way and Jesus is in his way. You get that? Isn't that a beautiful thing when your way lines up with Jesus' way? I mean, Jesus' way is always there, but we kind of vary off from it from time to time, don't we? But isn't it great when we hit that sweet vein of the Spirit and we can feel the presence of God and we know that we're in the way with Jesus? That's a precious feeling. And if you're sitting there going, oh, I don't know that I've ever felt it, well, then this is the message for you. (laughs) Is Jesus in your way? Now, when we follow His Word... The Lord takes care of the rest. And this is not prosperity gospel. Oh, you're going to be rich. You're going to have houses. You're going to have lands. That's the farthest thing from what the Word of God teaches. Shame on the prosperity gospel proponents of the day that say, you know, you'll find your best you and everything will be all right and everything will run smooth. That is not the walk of the Christian. This is a world that has fallen. This is a world that has tragedy. This is a world that is full of sickness and pain. And to see God in terms of a prosperity gospel where nothing will ever happen to me once I start following the Lord, that is a lie that has been proposed by the devil that cheats God's children from seeing the true God who will walk with you through the dark times of this life and the tragedies of this life and the troubles of this life and the loss of this life. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now that is a different kind of prosperity right there. That's a spiritual prosperity. There's nothing wrong with having houses and lands and so forth. But understand, God's children have been the poorest of the world through the centuries and have been the most persecuted through the centuries. You see? That's why it says in 1 Corinthians, not many mighty. You know, not many noble. It doesn't say not any. But it says not many. So as we contrast the servant of Abraham who was in the way with Jesus, and Jesus was in His way. Let's look to Numbers 22. And we jump right into a story here, an account where a fellow named Balaam has been hired by the local king of a local nation who wants to stop the children of Israel from progressing into and infringing into their nation. This is when the children of Israel are on the march towards the promised land and all kinds of things are going on, God's miracles and so forth. So this one particular king says, I will hire me this TV preacher. (laughs) I'll hire... Balaam was the equivalent of the TV preacher in the old days, okay? And have TVs, but he was the equivalent of the preacher for hire. I'll hire this guy and I'll get him to come in here and put on his show and put on his little deal and entertain us and talk to what he calls his God... And, and then that'll make a difference. And these children of Israel, they'll be cursed and they'll go away. <laughs> well, here's the interesting thing. You know how we talk about C.S. Lewis compared Aslan to Christ. You know, he was an untamed lion. He was always on the move. He never knew where he was going to appear. That is such a great analogy to our God. Because our God is not bound to appear just where you think he's, he needs to appear. So here is a foreigner who is not a child of Israel. He's not a descendant of the Israelites. And he's over here and he is a prophet. And he does communicate with Jehovah. (laughs) He's a child of God. Yes, Balaam is a child of God. (laughs) 
He's one of those that some people get to heaven and say, I can't believe you're here. And he'll look back at them and say, well, I can't believe you're here. Balaam's a child of God and he communicates with Jehovah. And Balaam loves money. He loves to have the planes and the jets and, the, and all the attention. He loves it. He's for hire. He's, he name his price and he'll come and he'll preach for you and it'll be a great show, great entertainment. It sounds a lot like modern religion, doesn't it? Just a big old entertainment. You need to get somebody who's a professional in here to come in here and, and save all these people and get them right with the Lord, you know? Well, I'll tell you one thing, and I like what Brother Chris, my brother, has been saying recently. He says, I want you to know as a preacher of the gospel, I am not a professional. <laughs> and that's the truth. It's not a profession. You see, it's not a profession. It's a calling. You don't want a professional in the sense of someone who's got some type of degree. They say, well, I've got a degree in ministry or I've got a degree in you know, this type of thing. You don't want that because it's a calling from God. It's not a profession. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said, we are made fools for Christ's sake. So instead of calling me Dr. Tim, you could just call me Fool Tim. Please don't, though. That'd be kind of mean. Just call me Brother Tim. It's not a profession in the sense of this is a career choice, you see? And so here is Balaam. He is acting like he's a professional in this particular career choice, but he is a child of God and he is communicating with God. And God says, don't go. And then you can read on and you can read why God didn't immediately strike him dead. There was a couple... That, listen, when you're a legalist and when you're looking to do what you want to do, you can justify yourself in any way you want to. The best advice that was ever given to me by my father in the ministry, Odalani Mazingo a Jr., he said, Brother Tim, just remember this. When it comes to God's people, they're going to do what they want to do. <laughs> if you want to find a way to justify yourself to do anything, you can find a way. And you might even twist around or three or four times, twist around a little verse of Scripture and find a way. Oh, well, that says I'm okay with what I'm doing. Or that doesn't really apply to me. People do what they want to do. If people want to serve God, you know what? They'll serve God. If people want to repent of their sins, you know what? They'll repent of their sins. If people don't want to, it's no amount of preaching that I could do to, to get that to happen. That's a lot of pressure off the preacher. You know, I don't feel like it's up to me to get you to live your life in a way that honors God. It's not up to me. It's up to you. <laughs> It's your choice to serve God or not serve God. It's your choice to live for the Lord or not live for the Lord. And you know what? People do what they want to do. Now, if you'll listen carefully to what I'm preaching here today, you may be able to look at your wants of what you want to do and see how does that line up with the direction that Jesus is going? Because I'm going to tell you, child of God, Jesus is going in the direction that He wants to go whether or not you get on the board with Him or not. He's still moving forward in paths of righteousness. It's just such a blessing when we get on that path with Him. You see? So here's Balaam. And Balaam has gone against the directions of God to go and curse the people of God. Isn't that silly? He's going to be paid money to see if he can curse the people of God who God has led out of Egypt and is now leading in the promised land. That just sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Well, it gets more ridiculous. Because in Numbers 22 and 31, we jump right in where it says that the Lord opens the eyes of Balaam. Now, Balaam's going on his way. And here's another account where Jesus is in his way, but in a different way. <laughs> you know, we see the servant of Abraham who uh, following his master, and he's in the way walking along following Jesus. Well, here's a guy that's going his way, and Jesus is standing smack dab in the middle of his way. 
you will go no further. <laughs> it makes me think of the Lord of the Rings, Brother Luke. Gandalf said to the Balrog, you shall not pass. <laughs> Y'all know the ones that watch that know what I'm talking about. And the others are just confused. The Lord Jesus Christ is saying, you shall not pass. You can't go any further. The Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and Balaam saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way. And his sword was drawn in his hand. He, he's, the angel's got his sword out and he's ready to, to whack the head off of Balaam for going in the way that Balaam wanted to go. And by the way, this is the third time that Balaam's riding his donkey. His little trusted little pet. This, this donkey's his pet. It's not just his donkey. It's his pet. And he loves this donkey. And as he rides the donkey along, for whatever reason, God reveals to the donkey that the angel's in the way. And so the donkey goes to the side and Balaam says, get back over here. Once again, he goes a different way. The donkey sees the angel of the Lord again, which I believe is the Lord Jesus Christ, by the way, a pre-incarnation appearance. <laughs> and so finally the donkey smashes Balaam into the wall and crushes his foot. And Balaam just starts wailing on this donkey. He starts abusing his animal. Whack, whack, whack. He's beating his animal. And the donkey's on the ground, just sitting there just getting... The fool beat out of him. Let me just say this. You're in a bad place in life when the only thing that can mean anything to you or get to you is your pet. Are you hearing me? Ain't nothing wrong with pets. Balaam had a pet. There's nothing wrong with a pet. But it, there's many people that worship pets. And there's many people that that's their life. That's, that's the only thing they can get anything from is their pet. What a sad commentary on socialization in our day and time, right? So here's his pet on the ground and the pet donkey looks up and says, haven't I been a good donkey to you? <laughs> you, think, you think Walt Disney came up with a talking animal? God made that animal talk. Now, when, when all that can reach you is a talking animal, you're in a bad place in life. And so the, the first talking animal that we know of, maybe aside from the serpent in the Garden of Eden, but this animal says... Haven't I been a good donkey to you? Haven't I been faithful to you? And now, you, why are you beating me? And the crazy part about this is Balaam has a dialogue with this donkey. If that was me, if I was in my right mind, I'd be going, ah, my donkey just talked to me. But this guy's so angry and he's so out of the way, he's become crazy on his anger and his, and his madness of the prophet. It speaks of that over in the New Testament. And he has dialogue with this donkey. He says, I would kill you. <laughs> and then Balaam's eyes are open and he sees the angel of God. And that this dumb animal has saved his life three times from just riding along and all of a sudden, whoa, whoa where, where'd my head go? <laughs> my head's gone. The angel of the Lord was going to cut his head off and put an end to this foolishness of going to curse, to be paid money to curse God's people. <laughs> You're in a bad place. When the only thing that can get to you, the only compassion that you can feel, the only interaction that you have is your pet. And of course, that's not my that's the purpose of my sermon today, but it makes a good point, doesn't it? There's people that are already marrying their pets. Did y'all know that? It's already happening. Idolatry. You say, well, we're not an idolatrous nation or a world like it used to be. Yes, we are. We're worse. <laughs> We're worse than it used to be. <laughs> We're not better than it used to be. 
I mean, think about it. Anyway, that's a whole other subject. Maybe another day. But the angel of the Lord said, Wherefore have you smitten thine ass these three times? Why have you hit your donkey these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee because thy way is perverse before me. And that donkey saw the Lord and saved his life, as I said. That's a bad place to be when you can't see the Lord in your way. So where, how do you want to be? You want to be like Abraham's servant where you can get down on your knees and say, praise God above. I being in the way with Jesus. The Lord is doing these amazing things. And, and even if it's not just some miraculous, amazing thing like finding a spouse, maybe it's just the presence of God, which as the song says, the smile of the Lord should be the feast of the soul. Don't you need a feast of the soul in these dark and troubled times? I need a daily feast. I need a, maybe a, a, a twice a day feast. I need at least a weekly feast to come and hear the gospel and be fed by the word of God. I need the feast of the Lord. And the smile of the Lord is the feast of the soul. Now, when you look at Balaam, there was no smile on the Lord's face there, was it? He's frowning and he's got his sword out and he's about to kill him. <laughs> And notice you got two men down on their knees. You got the, ma the servant of Abraham down on his knees saying, Praise be to God. I was walking in the way that honored God. And then you've got Balaam. It says, I didn't read that part, but it says, He bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. You know why he fell flat on his face? So he was hoping that if the Lord was fixing to swing that sword, he'd miss his head. <laughs> so you got two men down on their face, and one is saying, Praise God. I was in the way following the Lord. And the other one is saying, God, help me. Forgive me. Have mercy upon me. I was not in the way. I was not following the Lord. You see? Oh, I tell you, he didn't have to make the donkey talk to Balaam. Let me say this. If your donkey ever talks to you, you better listen. <laughs> if your dog ever starts talking to you, or your canary, and I don't know about a parrot because they'll say Polly wants a cracker. I don't know about that. But if some animal starts talking to you, you need to bite the dust. <laughs> That's what Balaam did. The animal started talking and he saw the angel and boom, he's on the ground. So let's talk about how this looks, okay? Let's talk about a few examples here just, just as we close in these last couple minutes. I want you to think about how this plays out. Here we see this incredible, beautiful picture of a servant going and serving the Lord and finding a spouse for his master's son. And here we see another guy who is going to curse the people of God, go against the will of God, and he almost loses his life. I know some of you could share accounts and such, but similar to that, where you've been going in a way that honored God, you could see and feel the blessing of God. And that I don't, if maybe you're like me, and you've been going a way that didn't honor God, and you suddenly realize the judgment of God may be about to fall on me. <laughs> Praise God, the answer to both of those is to get on the ground. <laughs> Get down before the Lord and praise His holy name. So whether it's talking about something major, you know, like finding a spouse or some big decision in life or whatever, or just the little things, you know? Think about it. Listen, there was a time years ago when I was uncomfortable with electronic devices being in the congregation. <laughs> I was uncomfortable with that. Now, relax, okay? You know, relax. It's one of my greatest tools that I use. But years ago, when these things first started really becoming popular, I remember even asking a person or two, hey, look, let's, let's just, you know, just trust me. You know, let's just don't have those in here. 
Because every time I looked at one or looked at somebody using one, I thought, well, you know, they're playing a game. (laughs) Or they're checking stats or they're texting with a friend or blah, blah, blah. You know, I've come a long ways from that because now I've used one very often. And you take a brother like Mike Ivey, you know, who can't even see the printed word, but he can turn this thing bright and put it up in his face and see the words and read them. There's a great utilization for that. But you understand that's something that could be abused. That could distract you from worship. So I use electronic device to look at the Word of God. Many of you do that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But the point is this. If that's what you're using it for, and you're looking to the Word of God, then you're in the way with Jesus. Jesus is in your way, you know? But if you're sitting there looking at things you shouldn't be looking at and texting with people and messaging people and, you know, posting this, because that'd be kind of easy to check if you posted on Instagram. We could see the time signature. It was, it was 11.30, you know, while we were worshiping. I'm sure nobody would do that. But you understand, if, if that is something you're doing while you're worshiping, well, then Jesus is in your way. He's in your way. He's standing in your way and saying, hey, listen, honor me. There's a time and a place for that. You can do that at other times, but this is the time to honor me. Does that make sense? I've even been tempted to do that. I remember one time I was sitting there and I hadn't turned my phone on airplane mode. And I think it was at Zion one night and you know, an important message came in you know, while the sermon was going on. And I, it was like I was in a battle with myself, you know. You know, I'm so important. I've got to see what they said to me. I'm so important. And then I got to thinking, eh, I'm not really that important. <laughs> I'll wait till after the service. And why didn't I cut the airplane mode on? My goodness. Listen, I'm not trying to be petty or picky about that. I'm just trying to give you an example, a small little example of the way that Jesus can be in your way or in your way. <laughs> you get it? And also, whether you realize it or not, that was a way to explain that that just occurred. So if you just got rebuked by that, then you know what? That's the Lord calling you to stop doing that. You get it? (laughs) I get so tickled about people that say, well, that preacher was preaching to me. That's exactly right. I am. (laughs) That's what God intended preaching to be was to preach to you and for us to repent and for me to repent and for us to corporately repent before the Lord. What What do you expect out of preaching? Yes, I'm preaching to you. (laughs) I'm preaching to me too. That's a small little detailed thing that I think about every time I sit down and use my electronic device. If I got it on airplane mode in the service, okay? We could be dealing with something as major as finding a spouse or something as minor as God seeing what we're doing in the worship service. But the bottom line is, whether it's little or big, we serve the God who is the God of small things and big things. He's into every detail of your life. He sees everything that you're doing, good or bad, at all times. And that should cause us to want to serve Him and get in the way with Him. You see? As we close here today, I want to read to you from Nehemiah, the ninth chapter. We read in verse 32. And this is the speech 
I believe it's given by Ezra. It may be someone else, but it's in the time frame in which Ezra stood up and preached to the people as they're doing this seemingly insignificant thing in a very dark political time where everyone was against them. They're rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and they're rebuilding the temple in these days, Ezra and Nehemiah. And so Ezra has stood up and preached to them from the Word of God and the people are worshiping just a small band of people as you consider the population of the world. And child of grace here today, you're just a small band of people as you consider the darkness and the trouble and the trials of the world. But I want you to see that God's eye is upon His people. And in Nehemiah, notice what they say the ninth chapter in verse 32 as he closes out this message. He says, Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and the terrible God who keepeth covenant and mercy, let not all the trouble seem little before thee that, that hath come upon us, on our kings, on our princes, and on our priests, and on our prophets, and on our fathers, and on all thy people since the time of the kings of Assyria unto this day. We might change that to from the time of this country's founding of the United States of America until this day. We might change it to fit us today. He says, how be it? Listen to this language now. Thou art just in all that is brought upon us. For thou hast done right, but we have done wickedly. Isn't that a great confession? It's not, oh Lord, you know, we don't deserve to have this happen to us. We're better than this. You know, we don't deserve these things. No, the people of God said, we deserve for these things to happen to us. They have come upon us justly and rightly because thou art righteous, O Lord. Neither have our kings, our princes, our priests, nor our fathers kept thy law, nor hearkened unto thy commandments and thy testimonies, wherewith thou didst testify against them. Sound familiar? For they have not served thee in their kingdom, and in thy great goodness that thou gavest them, and in the large and fat land which thou gavest before them. Neither turn they from their wicked works. Behold, we are servants this day. And for the land that thou gavest unto our fathers to eat the fruit thereof and the good thereof, behold, we are servants in it. Child of God, you're a servant today in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God yieldeth much increase unto the kings whom thou hast set over us because of our sins. Also they have dominion over our bodies and over our cattle at their pleasure. And we are in great distress. And because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. And our princes, Levites, and priests seal unto it. In a day and time when it was so dark, they made a covenant together and said, we will serve the Lord at all costs, no matter what comes. And I want to tell you, child of God, that's light. So when a child of God decides to join the church, you know, that is a covenant in a sense. That is a covenant where they're saying, I am going to do my best to serve God in the midst of terrible, dark times. So I ask you, is Jesus in your way? Is He in the path that you're going? Or is He like Balaam? In your way and you wish He was out of your way. <laughs> I hope and pray to the good Lord that He is in your way and you're walking along sweetly experiencing the Spirit of God as you go. The first thing and the best thing that you can do if you've never done it is to follow the Lord in New Testament baptism. And we give you that opportunity as we stand and sing.